this morning, we're a little lazy. We're going to sit today. <laughs> we're going to sit this morning. But, um, you know, this morning we're going to get back into our study on spiritual disciplines. And, and you know, man, I've been thinking and we've been talking a little bit. And, uh, you know, I feel like for this morning I want to do something a little different. And so, you know, I hope that this morning is more of a conversation uh, around the spiritual discipline of servanthood. Uh, what it means for us as the children of God to step into the space that God has invited us into. Uh, as far as being servants, you know, we live in a very prideful world that tells us that what we do and what we say and how we act is based off of how we feel and what's in our best interest. But man, God has called us to a much bigger thing than that. And, and a thing that I believe is so unique to Christianity, not to be a good person, because there's a lot of good people in the world that aren't Christians. But that we have the opportunity to step into a work that is far bigger than ourselves for a purpose that is eternal. And so, um, I have Rodney Paul here with me this morning. And I'm just going to share a little bit about him. Um, not on his behalf, because I don't really know that much about him. But, um, you know, just in our relationship, you know, me and uh, Rodney Paul has been invested in our ministry for a long time. Even before they, he kind of stepped into this, him and his family stepped into this with us. Um, you know, just being a, a huge encouragement to me and Garen in the beginning and just praying for us and, um, you know, always giving us and, you know, uh, kind of feeding into our vision and what we wanted this church to be, how we wanted it to be different than, you know, just showing up. We want to be a people that are different than just showing up on Sundays, checking something off our list. But how, how are we something different? And, um, you know, over time, Ronnie Paul kind of came on board with us. And, um, you know, when we stepped into making these um, advisory teams, which we felt like, you know, the best way to facilitate our vision was going to be having you guys, the people of our church, invested in participating in that. And so through that, uh, reluctantly, I, I coerced Rodney Paul into leading up our missions and outreach advisory team. And this, you know, and, and them being kind of the, the spearhead to kind of help us step into our vision of what it looks like to serve our community in a way uh, that is bigger than just me, just being present and you guys just hearing me talk. And so, um, you know, I, I appreciate Rodney Paul for so much more than he'll ever know. And just the, the conversations we've had and the, just the, the heart that he has for God's word and for his people and for serving people. And I think that's why he is, he's in the perfect spot that he needs to be in leading out that advisory service, servanthood team. And uh, I think he's the perfect guy to speak on what we have this morning. And so that's why I want him to kind of share. I hope that you'll hear much less from me than you do from him this morning. But we're going to kind of feed off of each other a little bit this morning and, um, and see what God has for us. Well, thank you for the kind words, Jake. That's nice of you. Hey, uh, I must say before we get started, uh, i tell you what, I am so thankful, uh, blessed, grateful for our worship team here at Crosspoint. Amen. Can we give some hand clap appreciation? If you appreciate those guys, they we come in here every Sunday, they lead us in worship. And that's even when they start out on the wrong key. Even when you start out on the wrong key, it's okay. We'll, we'll make it through it. And I, I appreciate them. I really do. Even more importantly than that, that's what I love about my church. Uh, that's one thing I love about Another thing I love about my church is the people here. We have so many people who are just ready to do anything. They're ready to volunteer. And some amazing volunteers, such as the volunteers that just left here, right? Mm -hmm. To go next door with your kids. And let me tell you something. That's hardcore ministry in the nursery and the kids, right? That's where ministry happens. The Holy Spirit moves over there, right? Amen? I don't know what goes on in here, but it must move over there. So I'm appreciative. So if, at some point, just go thank our nursery workers, our volunteers, 
Tell me how much you appreciate that. I love that about our church. I'm excited this morning, Jake. This is my second cup of coffee. Let's go. Right. All right. <laughs> you and I both up here, we'll get done in a couple hours. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We got plenty of time. Got a timer in between us and everything to remind us of where we're at. Um, so there's another thing. You, you, know, you, you said I'm going to let me yeah. talk. Another thing I love about my church is also my men's group, Quick Commercial. We have a there men's group that we meet monthly, and uh, we do it at a, a couple different places. And so if you're a man or a young man or a mature man and if you're not meeting with us, I'm telling you right now, you're missing out. I love my men's group. My men's group has meant more to me than anything in this last year in my life. Uh, really has. It's helped me spiritually. It's helped me uh, mentally. And so I just love my men's group. I'll tell you the one thing I love most, Jake, about my men's group is Miss Quinn. Mm. Now, you may say, well, Miss Quinn is not a man. And she's not. Well, here's what I love about Miss Quinn and my men's group. We started doing this with me in Mr. Randy's house. We show up. There was a jar of cookies at the men's group. A snack that we could get on cookies. They were great good cookies. The next time we meet, it's a little bit better. There were fudge brownies that Miss Quinn had made for us. These aren't just any fudge brownies, okay? I don't know. Mr. Randy says she put something in them that don't belong in brownies. I don't know if it was Jello or mayonnaise or something. I can't remember. But it was one of the two things she put in her brownies that made them incredible. The best brownies I ever ate in my life. The next time we show up, there's a seven-layer dip along with other desserts and that she's made. Monkey bread. I love my men's group. I really do. <laughs> for I nothing else. For nothing else but that. That's right. And occasionally we'll meet at uh, Mr. Billy's house. I'm not sure what's going on over there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so we're meeting here this Sunday in the next door. Is that so there will be no snacks. But, but this yeah, Sunday not this Sunday. Oh, okay. next door. Yeah. Well, we pick something up on the way. All right, servanthood missions. That's what we're here to talk about this morning. Servanthood missions, what that looks like for our church and what that looks like for the community. So the objective this morning is to have a conversation and define for you what servanthood missions is. And we're going to try to do that this morning. And so how I broke this down is the what, the why, and the who of servanthood missions. The what, the why, and the who, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Any good sermon has three points and alliteration. So there you go. Right. And we're going to open up by reading the scripture. You can turn to James 2, 14 through 18, the book of James, chapter 2, 14 through 18, while you're turning there. When Jay got with me a few weeks ago about doing this, he said, look, I have an idea to, to launch our servanthood missions team that we put together. We're just going to come up there and I'd like for you to come. We'll have a conversation. Just like you and I had a conversation, many conversations we had on my back porch or somewhere, just talking about church, trying to solve the world's, world's problems and things like that. You said this will be just like that, a conversation. Yeah. Well, I do not remember sitting on my porch and having microphones in front of us. I definitely don't remember having 40 people staring at us. And we definitely wasn't streaming on live on Facebook. So this is nothing like me and you having It's close. It's close. Okay. Let's read. James 2, 14 through 18. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing, in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, and yet you do not give them 
what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Even so, faith, it has no works. It's dead if it has no works, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. I say, show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, God, for the opportunity to come and be a part of this faith family. Uh, I pray right now that you would be with us, meet with us, use your word to help us this morning. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Servanthood missions, the what, the why, and the who. So what is that? What is servanthood missions? What's that look like? I believe what servanthood missions is, is, is the opportunity, and going to find the opportunities to meet people's needs, right? If you look back at the scripture, it starts off by saying this, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? So what we need to do is we need to define what this works is. If we do not define what works is, we can really get lost in this, and we get real busy doing a lot of things, and we don't define what works is. And so it goes on to say that can that faith save him? The type of faith, and the, what faith means here is, is, is our salvation, our faith, uh, what we believe about God. That's, that's what faith is talking about here. So are we saying that works saves you? We're not saying that. We're going to get into that. Oh, yeah. See, I'm trying to right. pop stuff that we're no, not even too no. <laughs> Yeah. And so, uh, so anyway. So uh, we're going to find works here. If a brother or sister is without clothing and they need a daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, and if you do not give them what is necessary for the body, what use is that? So it's basically like saying if we go into our community, run into people, and we're like, and we see a need, we identify a need, but we say, hey, Brother Jay, hey, I'm going to be praying for you about that. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever done that? Hey, I'm going to pray for you about that, right? We say, what good is that? What good is it to say, hey, go in peace and be warm if you not give them, here it is, what is necessary for their body. So what works is, is simply meeting needs. It's meeting the person's needs. Identifying that, and if you're able to do that, if you're equipped to do that, it's meeting that person's need. That's what works is. That's what this is talking about. It goes on to say, even so, faith, if it has no works, it's dead by itself. What good is it? So he's saying, what good is your salvation if you're not going to use your salvation to help other people? If you're not going to go out and identify needs and by your words, go out and do good works, and you know, what good is that? What, he's saying it's not any good. That faith, in fact, not only says it's not good, he says it's dead. That faith is dead without words. Someone may well say, you have faith. Some say, oh, I don't think about faith. Some churches, my faith, they, they, they pride themselves on their faith. And, and how they how they they're, they're perceived to other people, other churches they're about their works and all the good things they do. It needs to be both. Here's what it says. He said, um, "You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works." And here's the key. This this is the real key to serving missions. I will show you my faith or my salvation or my trust in God by my works. That's how we're going to show people by what we do. It's not going to be lip service. It's going to be here. I'm going to serve you. You have a need. I'm going to meet your needs. And so that's the gist of all this. That's the what servanthood missions is. We define what works is. It's meeting people's needs. And that's interchangeable. Servanthood missions, when you hear us talk about that and the things we're going to be doing in our community, just think this is meeting people's needs. 
those words are uh, interchangeable. And so, um, so what I also would like to do, we're going to talk about the why. Why do we need to do that? Why do we need servanthood missions? Servanthood missions is actually linked to evangelism. This part I want you to have a little help with, Jake, if you don't mind. I want you to think of not just missions as going helping people, but meet people's needs, but it's also evangelism as well. And here's why I believe that. It's because I think for a long time, and those of you who've been involved in church a lot longer than me, or may have grown up in church our whole lives, there's a lot of programs that we went through and a lot of things that we did, learning how to evangelize people, evangelize your community, how to witness to people, and things like that. And those were all good things. But honestly, if you really think about it, I believe it, it, it maybe wasn't as successful as we thought. Because the truth of the matter is this, if those things were very successful, then all of our churches would be full, right? Let's look around us in this city. Are all our churches full? They're not. So I don't know how well those things actually work. But here's what I believe does work. I believe servanthood and serving people, meeting people's needs work. And, and, and it's tied to evangelism because here's why. When we meet people's needs, it breaks down walls and it enables us to connect with people. See what I'm saying? So here's an example of that. Let's say a storm comes through, a hurricane comes through. A tree falls on my house, I have a hole in my roof. I'm not equipped to move that. I don't have the tools or what I need to take care of that tree. Let's say I don't have a chainsaw or something like that. Brother Randy and Brother Billy show up at my house. I don't know them. They drive by my house. Rodney Paul, I said, we see you have a tree on your house, and you need to get that off. I said, yes, sir, I do, and um, my family's not equipped to do that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the tools that I need to do that. Well, we have to have that. So they come to my house. They remove the tree off of my house. We stand there all day. Load up those logs, pick up the tree limbs, clean up the yard. For no reason, no strings attached, two men show up my house to meet a need for me. Well now, these two men have earned credit with me, right? They have credit with me now. And now here's an opportunity for them to be a part of my life and connect with me and open up a conversation where now I'll hear what they have to say, right? Because they met my need. They connected with me. They may something say something like, Roger Paul, what? Where do you and your family, your family attend anywhere, church in town? I said, no, sir, we, we don't. We just, I've been out of church and disconnected from church for a long time. And, uh, and I've been thinking about being connected in a church, but we just never done. Well, Ronnie Paul, won't you know that we have a wonderful church called Cross Point Community Church, and there's people there just like us. And we'd love it for your family to come and hang out with us on the Sunday. And I go back inside, Jake, and what I'm thinking is, is wow, these people really do. Here's the key. Here's what's going to tie in is that these people love me. They actually care about me. They met a need for me. They didn't have to do that. Now I'm open to hear what they have to say. I'm going to come and check out your church at this point. If this is what it's about, this is what I want to be a part. Because honestly, all of us in here at some point have been a little bit disgruntled in church, right? Things may have not gone the way we thought they were. Things happen. People are mean. Church people are the meanest people in the world, Jake. Did you know that? I know that. <laughs> okay, they really are. And so, but now I'm in a community and can come to a community where this is what people do. And so that's what we can look like if we get this done. I would like Cross Point Community Church for it to be said in this community that if this church was removed from our community, we would miss that church. Wouldn't you like that to be what is said about us? I want us to be so visible in our community that if we weren't here, that our community would miss us. That we would go out and meeting people's needs and hurting people, broken people, and things need to be done. And so that's ways that you can do that. Another example, um, 
there was a lot of uh, overtones of uh, racial things, political things, a lot of negative stuff. Like right before the hurricane, y'all remember that? If you had social media on the news, and a hurricane hits. And after that, it was funny to me that I look back on it and seeing, especially in our community, how, how people started gathering around each other and started helping each other and helping their neighbor and finding out, you know, what do you need? You know, are you okay? Is you your family? Did you notice how all that just kind of went away? That you didn't hear? The discussion wasn't about race or politics or negative things. It was more of how are you? What do you need? How can I help you? There was a lot of that going on. And you see, that proves my point about serving people. See, it removes and tear down, tears down walls between us and other people. It tears down political differences, social status barriers, uh, racial barriers, religious barriers. When you serve someone, all that gets removed. All those things that stand in between you and them is tear, torn down because you're meeting their need now. And so that's the, the great thing about servanthood and meeting people's needs. So, uh... We must earn credit with people, and that's the why. But most importantly, I think the why is this. Why we must do this. Why we must meet people's needs in our community. It's very simple that it's what Jesus did. It's what he did. He went around serving people. What's your thoughts on that, maybe? Maybe you're thinking as I talk to you right now. What, what came to your head right now about, about maybe what that looked like with Jesus, how he served people? Yeah, so... You know, like we said earlier, everybody can be good to people. You know, it's not like a Christian thing. But, you know, the fact that we have in the Bible on and on and on again talks about this example that Christ came. And, and obviously it, the, the purpose necessarily wasn't just to do good, but it was to point people to God and His goodness and salvation. But, you know, that God leaned into the lives of people and, and to the broken, to those that would have been on the outside of, of culture or, or the, you know, kind of the, the social ladder or whatever. And, you know, it just, and I had, had this verse and just to think so much about what Jesus does. And when I think about that, like what Jesus came to do, you know, he says, but it shall not be so among you. This is Mark 10, uh, 43 through 45. He says, but it shall not be among you, uh, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave of all for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life for ransom uh, for many you know it's just man I, to think about all that christ came and laid not even the fact that he came and died but the fact that he left the right hand of god came down to heaven gave away everything to give us everything and to be that for us um you know, it's, it, it's within that example of just complete, just abandon, you know, that is very foreign to us. I mean, we're, we're, very, we're very much creatures of comfort. You know, we're very much people that want to hold on to what's comfortable. And honestly, I think it, even in this and as we talk about the why, I think inconvenience is our calling more than comfort is, you know, to because we always want to hold on. But I think what God's called us to do is let go for the sake of someone else, for the sake of people that really, and I think this is where maybe the church gets a bad rap, is that a lot of times there's this thing, we've had this conversation before where there's this feeling of like, it's loaded. Like what you're doing for me is loaded because you're trying to gain my attendance or my tithe or something like that. Not to say that that doesn't happen, but I feel like the church is kind of blanketed with this perception of like anything good that we do is only for our good and we probably do as a majority of the church we probably do do it for our good and that's the lead out for it where the god's calling and jesus is calling for us is constantly do with the expectation of nothing right 
Like it's a no strings attached yeah, type of mentality. Not even your presence in church. Like, and that blows our minds when we talk about evangelism or doing anything. We're like, well, if we're doing good for people, it's because I want to see them in my seat. Like, no, let's just do good for people for the sake of doing good and let God work those things out. Right, and as we're defining what servanthood missions is and meeting people's needs, is it's also important on what it is, what it's not. Like I said, both some of you that grew up in church early life like me, like the things we used to do, we'd go out sometimes in the communities, we'd pass out tracks to people, right? You would have the, the Roman Road of Salvation. Those are good things. We'd go pass those out. That was our evangelism. Or we'd invite people to a revival that we would have once a week, or once a, yeah, one week out of a, out of a year. We'd go around fighting other people or knocking on people's doors and things like that. And those were good things, but was it really showing people love? Was it really meeting their needs? Was it really investing in people? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was or not. But, uh, and it's often said about this. Sometimes what we got to do is like we have to evolve what we evolve what we do. If you tweak it, maybe it's not working to be so successful. And that's what this is. Well, and especially because we live in a culture today that doesn't trust the church. Oh, exactly right. And that's our fault. Yeah. We, we did that to ourselves. And that's why we have to tweak that. Because now it's not good enough just to invite someone to church. Yeah. And it doesn't make it compromise because we're not we're not divulging any tr we're not letting go of truths for the sake of, of loving and serving people. But it's it's you know like where there is you know there is beauty of these resources of tracks and these different things to communicate some information. But I think what people need to know more is our heart, who we are as people, as individuals. Where you know that was the whole thing for us, like why we didn't have like a denominational label on our church or our name. It's not because we don't have a set of beliefs that we hold on to, but it's because I don't want someone to judge me by information that's been communicated to them. I want them to see who we are. You, you, by doing that, you've set up a barrier already yeah. for people you're not going to believe. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to blow your mind with this, Jay. Let me tell you something. I've done some research, okay? I really have. Over all yeah. these years, I've done some research. And you might want to write this down and tweak this later. The main, you know the main reason why people do not attend church? The number one reason why people do not attend church or stop attending church, they've been to one. Think about that. They've been to one. And that's on us. That's not on anybody else. So why not be the type of church that people want to be drawn to? It is possible to, to do that. Why not be a, a safe place for people to come? To belong before they believe. And we can introduce Jesus to them. What serving people really is, is making Jesus visible to people. Because he's not here. He's ascended into heaven. He's on the right side, right hand side of the Father. He's not here, but he has us. We're Christians. The word Christian literally means little Christ. That's what that means. And it was a derogatory term back there. So, oh, look at those Christians. Look at those little Christ. They're trying to be just like Jesus. Yes, we are. And the way we're being like Jesus is we're serving other people. And that's how we're making Jesus visible. Come see my Jesus. Here's how you see him through how I help you, how I serve you. This is what he did. It's often said before that sometimes people find more love and more grace on a bar school than a pew. That's sad, but that's, that's, that's true. But let me tell you, why can't we be that? Why can't we be the place that people run to when they have problems, the safe place? Yes, you may find some grace and some love for a little time in some of those places, but that's temporary. That's a band-aid. Christ has given us an eternal love, an eternal fix to our problem. And that's what we have to offer people. So, so I'm hoping that that's what the culture that we can create at Cross Point Community Church is they run to us when they have problems. 
They run to us for a safe place. So I hope that's that's what we become. The last thing, <coughs> excuse me, we talked about the what. What is certain advantages? We said it's meeting people's needs. The why. Why do we do it? Because it breaks down barriers for people. It opens up. Uh, it, uh, con- it creates a place of contact for people for us to open up discussions and things to help and to help them and to introduce Christ. So that's the why. And because Jesus did it. But uh, but now I'd like to. Maybe talk about the who a little bit, and that's in a, in a different who. Who does this involve? Who does serving the mission involve? And you know, um, well, I was going to say, let's, let's go to Matthew. My wife, turn to Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. My wife told me, see, I didn't tell her I was doing this this morning, Jay, because I knew she wouldn't come. So I didn't tell her. So now she's here. She gave me a sign. She said, when you get to the end, my sign. She said, when I touch the mom bun, get done. That's my sign. <laughs> I love my wife. Hey, when it comes to relationships, you know, you've heard the saying, married up, out kicked your coverage kid. Mm-hmm. I'm the reason for that statement, I promise you that. I'm the reason that that, that was great. I love my wife. Anyway, let's look here at Matthew 25, 31 through 46. I'm sorry. Did I say 25? Yeah, that's right. 31. Here we go. It's a little bit lengthy. Follow with me if you don't mind. This is the most important scripture in the Bible about serving people and why we should do it and who we should do it. It, it defines everything about servanthood missions. And it, it's pretty deep. And it, it's, uh, it has some language in here that can be maybe a little bit confusing, but I'm going to let you help me out with that. And, uh, but you'll see when we get into it. But, but as we read this, read along with me and get this picture in your head. And this is the most important thing about why serving people in the community and why what we're going to do here at Cross Point Community, why this is so important. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another. Just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to this. Get this picture in your head. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty? Or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer them and say, Truly, I say to you, to the extent you did to one of the, these of the brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did 
to me. Then he'll also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then themselves will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he'll answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, Jesus put eternal significance on meeting people's needs. That's how important it really is. If it's important to him, it should be important to us. Now, do I really believe, I do not believe that this is how we become saved. Our salvation is not tied to our works, but it does have the eternal significance in this, in that this is what it looks like for the Christian, for people who are called of God. This is what you'll look like. You'll go out about meeting people's needs. And here's what he said. He said, do it unto the least of these. The ones that, that can't give you nothing in return. It's not for us. It's for them. And not only that, but he said, when you've done it to anyone, you do it to them, you're doing it unto me. Wouldn't you agree that's pretty significant? That when we go out and help people, it's as we're doing it unto the Lord? The Lord will bless that. I promise you that. If we can get that right, the Lord will bless that. He will, he will send more resources than we could possibly need if we'll just be open and willing and available to go out to this community. Identify problems. Find the broken people. The hurting people. The least of these. God will, 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 find, will supply us with all of those resources. You know, God showed me something. I, I've kind of re not wrestled with this because it almost looks like he's defining our salvation by this is how he's, that's not what it is. And I want you to speak on it a little bit. But God showed me actually something last night when I was going over this. Turn to Ephesians. This is the last place we're going to turn. Go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that none of us can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This is, this is why we were created. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. We define what works is. Meeting people's needs. That's why we were created. That's why he saved us. That's why we, we were allowed to have God's grace in our lives. He said, you've done this for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. It's already set up. It's out there for us to do. God's already set it up beforehand. He says, just walk in it. Go do what I'm equipped you to do. Yeah. No, and that's good. You know, because I think what's so significant, even about the verses you read before, how, how Jesus uh, relates or connects himself more frequently to those in constant need than he does to those in loyalty or comfortable positions. 
Because I think he's he just continuing on in that idea of like that the, the, the child of God or the person who has put their faith in Jesus recognizes that they're in need. And so there's like this level playing field that we step into as Christians that there's no hierarchy, that there's no point at which uh, we're elevated above anyone else based off of what we have, who we are, anything like that. But that in Jesus, we recognize a need, a constant need that we all have. And that first initial need is I love, you know, in Ephesians, just the perfect place to go when we're talking about the, the, the tension between works and, and uh, salvation. Because, you know, the reality of it is, is that there is no work that we can do good enough to save us because all our works are filthy rags. There's nothing that we do that earns us that spot at God's table. But the beautiful thing is that by grace, God has opened up that space for us and said, I have a place for you here. And that through that, that through that option, that place that he's given us, that there is an opportunity to step into his calling, His work, His association with the needy, His association with constant work and giving and pouring out Himself. I mean, just even in Philippians, it talks about Jesus that He emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant, uh, you know, for us, for the needy, for those who couldn't give it back, for those who couldn't, didn't deserve it. And that's just, there's that tension between works and salvation that's just constantly kind of pointing to grace. And that there, you know, and so when we think about works, we don't think about works as, as being that thing that gets us to God, but we think about works being that thing that flows from God. And so if we are in Christ, if we are saved by His grace through faith in Jesus, His work on the cross, dying for our sin, kind of closing that chasm that was between us and God where we can have fellowship with Him, now from that flows works. From that flows the goodness that God has poured into us and that we, we have an obligation, really, uh, an obligation to let that go. To give of every bit of resources, every bit of time, every bit of love, starting within the context of what's closest to us with our spouses, our family, and that flows outward from that. You know, we can't adequately serve other people if we're not adequately serving the people closest to us, the people we have uh, responsibility of. And so the way that that flows out of us is from our faith in Jesus. It flows from our, the grace that He's given us because we have this confidence to say that if we've been given this opportunity, He's made us for this. You know, I think that's a confidence that we can have when we think about any work that we do, whether that's serving in kids' ministry, singing on the worship team. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no perfection that we place into it other than the workmanship of God's perfect planning for who we are and what we have the opportunity to do in the context of where we are. And if our church can nail this down, what it did, it forces us not to be inward but outward. And the church was always created to be outward, not inward. Yes, we need to take care of ourselves and minister with people, but the church is made to be outward. Yeah. And so we've said a lot of words in this month, so it raises the question, what does that look like for our church? What does this look like for Cross Point Community Church? And so uh, quickly as we're closing, uh, maybe we can, uh, this is a good time for us to maybe present to you some ideas that we had. Uh, like, I can think back, and uh, we didn't go into this, and I didn't know if I was or not. I skipped over because I don't want to be too terribly long. We're in the red right now. But just looking back, uh, kind of my experiences, the churches I've been in before where, where I've done this, been a part of this several, several long time years ago. Uh, my wife and I was uh, ministering at a church. I was the worship leader of the church. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, it was fire. I, can, I can imagine. You can imagine that? That was amazing. Yeah, beautiful voice. And, and my wife was a student minister at the church. So we had a men's group there as well. And our men's group, that's what we would do. We would go out in the community. And the community that was in was a very poor community. And um, where we're at, and, and I say poor, not really poor, just 
there's a, a lot of things, there's a lot of opportunities to minister to people. We had a lady moved in our community from Shreveport in her late 80s, Miss Ardell. Ashley, you remember Miss Ardell, right? And so she moved into our community. She had a small little trailer that she lived in. And some people of our church told her men's group, hey, Miss Ardell's trailer that she lives in, it, 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 it could use some, some touching up. It's, it's not fit really for someone of our age to live in. Would you mind going and see how you can meet these needs? So we, we go to her trailer, we introduce her, hey, I'm such and such, uh, and we're from uh, Good Hope Baptist Church here in Senior, and uh, we just want to come in and maybe see if there's any way we can help you. Yes, oh, I'm so glad you came. We go into the house, and the structure of the house is that her floor has an area rug over the floor, right? You peel back the area rug, there's no floor. There's floor trust and joys, and you're seeing straight ground. This is what this woman was living in. So we go and we uh, buy a bunch of decking and go to redo the whole floor in her trailer, this and that. And so it helped her out. And, uh, and she begins to come to our church and attend her church. Well, fast forward, we, we baptize Miss Ordell and, and she becomes a Christian and joins the church. And every Sunday she gets up and says how much our church changed her life or people in our church changed her life. And now she has a whole new family with us, but she was by herself. She was lonely. Not only that, but we got to also participate in her home going. That was an amazing thing to see. Uh, there was another uh, family moved into our community. They were building a home. They were building a home them, themselves, doing all the work themselves. Our men's group went over there and they got ready to put the rafters and the decking for the house. And we did that for them, helped them with that. They joined the church. The husband of the house became one of our leaders at our church. His wife volunteered in the nursery program and a lot of other areas as well. Uh, one of their gardeners became our uh, keyboardist, our pianist, our worship team. Just by going out and meeting people's needs, connecting with people. And uh, fast forward, a group of friends of mine, we got from right here to Quincy, we got together and uh, decided we want have, we had a bright idea of starting a church in Lake Charles, which is full of churches, right? Like it needed another church in Lake Charles. So we got together and made some plans to do that. We uh, began meeting in a Cinemark movie theater with our first service, I think about 187 people. And then uh, fast forward to about six months later, we had had to rent another theater, we doubled to about 650 people, and we did that for about three years. The whole time we were doing that, we were going out in the community, meeting people's needs. We would go into low-income low areas, and we would go and, uh, before the school year started, we'd just give them gift bags, uh, backpacks full of the things, the needs, the supplies they need for school, because a lot of them couldn't afford it. One Christmas, we went out and gave out 800 bicycles to people. Uh, we would we would do things like go into communities and uh, we would set up and do vacation Bible schools for them in these communities and people would just show up out of nowhere. Fast forward uh, three years later, we built our own facility and we went from about 650 people in one week, mind you, in one week, double to 1,200 people. And so we had to run three services because only fit 750 people. So we began something small, like a food pantry. We noticed that in our community of Lake Charles, there's a lot of homeless people. The homeless population was huge. So we just opened up a church. People come in to eat, we'd give them food. Fast forward to today, that ministry is still going on. Every week on a Thursday, it feeds anywhere from 800 to 1,000 people every week. People that were hungry, didn't have food. Storms come, you can turn on your TV right now when there's a freeze. And you'll see all over the news, the church opens up its doors because we've got the pews for people to come in because they're going to freeze to death unless they have somewhere to, somewhere to go. This church is full of people. Also, the resources are there for people as well. The reason, that's what we're going to find. When we start uh, in this community meeting people's needs, God's going to send people to help us. They are. I promise you that. We're not going to have to wonder where it's going to come from. So what's that look like for our church? What, 
What's that look like for us, Jay? We got together and we, we created a team called the Servanthood Missions Team. That team is made up of Jay, myself, Brother Randy, Brother Billy, KK, Nia, and Jeremy. That's our team. What we're going to do is we're going to find areas in our community that we can reach and we can serve people. We're going to put those together. We're going to organize those. And their church is going to get involved in those with us. So we're going to do the legwork for you. All we ask you to do is just come on and join us and get on board with us. When we put together some kind of... Um, Event, we're gonna uh, we're gonna give that to you through the church, but the Jake will, and we just ask you to come on board with us. Help us flood this community with love, right? This our community has been shown a lot of things through church, right? We've shown that one thing I believe will reveal is our love for our community. So we're just gonna smother this community with love. So won't you quickly uh, give them an idea of what that looks like this summer and what we have for? Yeah. So one of the things that we're wanting to do is, uh, you know, we're wanting to do kind of a kids' day. Um, kind of a day to pour into our uh, kids in our community, kind of share the gospel, just have fun with them and just show them that we love and care about them. The beautiful thing for us is we don't necessarily have a home, so we can do that wherever. And so we want to, um, through some resources, we want to try. We haven't officially nailed it down yet, so I won't mention where at. But, uh, you know, we're, we're planning to go into a community, into a local community here, um, reach out to those families, and just create a space where it's convenient, it's easy for them, hopefully right next to them, uh, and, and try to, uh, you know, feed them, share the gospel with them, and just more or less for nothing else, not for any gain for ourselves, but just to have fun and just show them that, you know, God's people love them and that, you know, what, you know, who we are and what we're about. And, uh, you know, as of right now, we're planning to do that on July 30th. That's kind of our tentative date where it's just going to be a one day for lack of a better way to explain it, kind of like a VBS. But we don't want to necessarily call it a VBS, maybe like a back to school kind of thing, just kind of, you know, and still have some teaching, something in that. And so, you know, as we kind of iron out the details for that, we want to invite you to be a part of that. And like we said, this isn't necessarily... Um, when we went into it, when we were thinking about it, it's like I don't want this to come off as like we're doing these people of this small community, of this community in De Quincey, uh, a favor. We're we're wanting to do what we do near them to invite them to be a part of what we're doing and just be focused and just have a good time with them. Um, you know, we've talked about doing it near the housing authority outside of town, and so you know whether it's there, whether it's somewhere else, you know we're going to be off site. Uh, and just kind of make it work, you know, um, use the resources we have. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to love on people. It'll be a very simple project, very simple event. Uh, it'll be something as simple as we're going to ask our ladies to come. We're going to have a refreshment time, right? Kool-Aid and, and uh, little Debbie cakes and maybe some of the guys will grill some hot dogs. And then we'll do a craft with them. But also we'll have a Bible study time to introduce them to Jesus, tell them Jesus stories, right? We're going to have a fun time. We're going to get some... Uh, some of the blow-ups, like the two, like maybe a wet and dry, um, the bouncy things. I'm, I'm, I, I can't remember what they're called right now, but y'all know what I'm talking about. The bouncy castles and the water slides set that up. For kids to have fun, right? It's, it's our kids. This is our Bible school Bible for our kids. We're just going somewhere else to love on other people and their kids as well. It'll be a joint. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a fun way to get to the community and also to get people talking about Cross Point Community Church. And we're going to plan these events as we go through the year. And we just ask you to get involved and help us out. And these things will be so much fun. What you're going to find, and we're going to close with this, is that once we start doing these events and we start doing servanthood projects in our community, not only is it going to be good for the community, but I'm telling you because I've experienced this, you're going to get the biggest blessing out of it. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for, for your spirituality. It's going to get you closer to God. 
And that's the most important, I think, besides meeting someone's needs. It, it helps us. That's right. Well, and, and, you know, I read this quote this week. It said, every time we deny ourselves in order to serve someone else, we grow in Christ. You know, and that, that's, that's our, that should be our desire as Christians, that everything we do and choose to do, we're, we're, being, we're stepping into spaces where we're being molded more and more and more into the image of God. And, that, and just the reality is that the more we obey Jesus' commands and serve others, the more joy it will bring into our lives. You know? And so it's not that that's our, our goal can't be for us to gain, but it's through giving to others we do gain. You know, we do grow, we do mold, and we do, uh, you know, become a presence in our community that, you know, and the good, the cool thing is, is that all of us, we have connections in some way to our community. Um, and so we have avenues to love and to serve and find out who has needs. And, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to be a place where people can come with needs, where they can say, hey, look, this is what's going on with so-and-so. How can your church help? You know, and if, if we're not using the resources that we have, to help others, then what's the point? You know, we're, we need to be more than an organization that's building up a foundation.